Welcome to Extra Innings, the Phillies podcast from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Scott Lauber. I'm Bob Bergover. And I'm Matt Breen. And guys, here we are, uh, two weeks away from uh, the scheduled start of spring training and so much to talk about here just even in the last week. You know, the Phillies, after a very, very slow start to their offseason, we weren't even sure who was going to be running baseball operations uh, they've gotten down to business here. They re-signed JT Real Muto, five years, $115.5 million. They have an agreement with Didi Gregorius, two-year deal, $28 million. They uh, have uh, an agreement with Matt Moore, a, uh, a pitcher who will fill out the back of their rotation. Uh, we know they've signed Archie Bradley. They did that uh, a few weeks ago, $6 million, one-year contract. Uh, I guess we'll start here, guys. What do you make of this uh, of this month of, of activity? And, and have the Phillies, you know, who really kind of brought the band back together from last year, have they done enough to take a 28 and 32 team and, and improve on it enough to to do what they want to do, which is make the playoffs this year? If you like the 2020 Phillies, you'll love the 2021 Phillies. But I, I do think they, they've done enough to compete. I don't know if that you, you know, you, I don't think you can say right now they've done enough to win the national league East, especially with how good the, the Mets look and how much better than, you know, the nationals look, but, and the Marlins are still around the Braves have won three straight uh, NLE's titles. So I, but I do think if you went back, you took us back to September or October, how different the tone was, you know, and how, dire things seemed about you know where we'd be at this point i think the team with dd getting both dd and jt back and upgrading the bullpen with you know like we've mentioned that there's probably another upgrade to come and that the starting rotation has gotten at least deeper i think this is a team that can at least compete for a playoff spot i don't think it's you know it's it's not the exact same team as last year i think it's an improved team as than last year well i i think it comes down to one question and it's a question we keep coming back to the bullpen um is the bullpen good enough i think you know it's going to be different uh in, in, in many ways uh some hard throwers um no real clear cut closer i mean uh, it's going to be probably either archie bradley or um, Hector Naris in, in that role most of the time, you know, unless they, they do something else. Um, but, you know, this is, I looked up something the other day I found just fascinating. The Phillies were 10th in the league in starting pitching ERA last year, and the nine teams above them all made the playoffs. Obviously, it was an expanded playoff season, but the nine teams above them, and I believe the first two teams behind them all made the playoffs. And they were sixth in the, in baseball in runs scored, and the five teams in front of them all made the playoffs. Uh, so, so it's obvious where the problem was. The question is, is the problem fixed? And um, we won't know until they start playing games. I would argue it goes beyond just the bullpen. Um, you know, I, I, I've written about this a, a lot lately. Um, you know, after last year, it was a 60-game season. Uh, pitchers did not have their normal workload last year. Teams across the league are going to be trying to essentially retrain their pitchers to throw a full season. And because of that, you're going to see a lot of weird stuff. You're going to see six-man rotations. You're going to see piggybacking starts. You're going to see a lot of different things um, uh, go on. And, and it's going to be the teams that have the deepest pitching in their rotation, in their bullpen, that are going to be able to get through it. And I question whether the Phillies have that kind of depth. You know, I'm not positive about this 
you know, I, I'd have to go back and look, but I, I think that uh, I, I want to say the first question that Matt Klintak got uh, in spring training last year was, do you have enough pitching? And I think it's fair to ask Dave Dabrowski that same question if, as when spring training opens in a couple of weeks. Do you have enough pitching here? Because you did have the worst bullpen in the majors last year. And Archie Bradley is the only sure thing you've added to it. I mean, I know they like the upside in some of the other guys, Alvarado and Coonrod and whatnot. But Archie Bradley is the one guy they got with, with a real substantial track record. And I wonder whether that was enough. And then what, what do you have in the rotation beyond, you know, uh, Nola Wheeler and Eflin, you know, how much can you count on some of those guys, including Matt Moore and Vinny Velasquez and Spencer Howard. Um, so I, I just think there's just this general question about, do they have enough pitching and, and that's going to ultimately tell the tale for them. Just to talk about the bullpen real quick, they had 11 arms in the bullpen to start the season last year. And, you know, cause we talk about how bad the bullpen was and how it needs to be fixed. So of those 11 guys, just, rough look at it right now. I, Hector Neris and Ramon Rosa are the only two that that are candidates to be in this bullpen this year. Wow. So it's such a huge turnover. You have Adam Morgan, Jose, Jose Alvarez, who's still just a free agent, and we don't really know about his condition to, to pitch right now anyway. Deolis Guerra, Tommy Hunter, Cole Irvin, Trevor Kelly, Reggie McLean, Austin Davis, Nick Pavetta, Adam Morgan. Like These are guys that aren't here or, or aren't going to pitch – for the Phillies in 2021 anyway. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. They, they was an awful bullpen, but it's not the same bullpen. A lot of those guys that were actually were pretty good last year, like Connor Brogdon and Jojo Romero didn't come up till halfway through the season. So I think it's, it's a, you're going to see some of the, some of the same guys are going to come back uh, like those two and Naris, but the problem is not like Brandon Workman's not on the Phillies this year. So it's such a huge turnover of, of arms. And, and I think there's reason to believe that this is going to be in, not, it's not going to be the world's best bullpen, but it's not going to be the last year's 1930, you know, error bullpen. So my, here's my question. If you're the Phillies, do you, is your, I mean, we, we asked Dombrowski at the, at the JT Ramuto uh, Zoom call, you know, are, are you done? He was asked that, and he basically said, yeah, we still have some interest in pitching. Are there pitchers out there that still intrigue you that you think could could help this team within the budget that you, the Phillies, which we don't really exactly know what it is, yeah. but, you know, would, would you bring back like a Jose Alvarez who pitched well for this team? Uh, would you bring back anybody on anything other than a minor league contract for the bullpen right now? Well, that's you, you just t- you just said it. I mean, we don't we don't really know what the budget is. We thought we knew, and they went over what we thought we thought what we thought it would be. So, you know, I think that they were um, they were interested in Darren O'Day, uh, who signed with the Yankees last week for just under three million dollars. Um, if that's the case, then you know there should be around three million dollars to give to a reliever before spring training. And you know, I don't know who fits into that category. Um, you know, it's not enough to get Trevor Rosenthal, but uh, it's probably, you know, there's probably a, a bucket of relievers out there who, um, you know, in the O'Day kind of grouping who, who, who will go for that kind of money. So I think it's fair to say that they're going to add one more uh, reliever on a major league contract. Um, they added Hector Rondon now on a minor league deal. He at least has a track record and was pretty good a couple of years ago for the Astros. Um, 
you know, so, uh, you know, I, I would, I mean, I think that there are pitchers out there who can help them. You know, I think out of the starting group, um, you know, you need a few more good old fashioned innings eaters, guys like Ivan Nova, who they signed to a minor league deal. If, if the price comes down enough for an Annabelle Sanchez or a Rick Porcello, I'm buying because I just think you're going to need those innings. And, um, you know, especially with, you know, how much is Howard going to be able to pitch? Um, you know, how much do you trust Matt Moore and Vinny Velasquez? You know, so I'm all in on a guy who can just give me innings at a, at a league average level. And how about the guy that's going to be catching that bullpen? Real Muto, you know, it's, it's interesting. Did you guys find it interesting that, you know, he was, he was talking about the bullpen yesterday and kind of like what went wrong and sort of thinking about it. So we didn't strike enough guys out and uh, we didn't have enough guys who could put hitters away. It seems like, it seems like it's been on his mind, you know, even through his free agency when he didn't know where he was going to sign that he was thinking about like, geez, I caught this historically bad bullpen last year. What happened? And uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear more from him on, on, on all of those things on, on what happened and what went wrong and how they can fix it. And, you know, and that, that whole thing, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I thought it was, it was very interesting too. It, it was, it was my question to him, you know, because the catchers do take, do take the failure of pitching staffs very, uh, very personally because they're the guys trying to work with them. They're trying to work through them. And, you know, he, he, he made interesting points that I don't, I don't know. I haven't had a chance to look up the stats yet, but like the, the, you know, they left, allowed a lot of soft contact hits. They didn't strike enough guys out. Um, you know, so I, I think they were all valid points to make. And it, it was interesting how deeply he he answered that question. Now, he also said, uh, to be fair, that there was there was some luck involved. They didn't have a whole lot of luck last year. And I think one of the ways to read their offseason, they brought back Real Muto. They brought back D.D. Gregorius. They, you know, got uh, Archie Bradley to help the bullpen, but really they didn't, you know, they didn't go crazy. They didn't go get Liam Hendricks and they didn't go spend on Brad Hand. And um, so one way to look at what they've done is to say that they're not putting a whole lot of stock in what they saw in 60 games last year. You know, that they kind of feel like the bullpen's going to be better because it can't be worse, that the rotation's going to be better, um, that, you know, you don't necessarily take what you saw in two months last season and treat it as the end-all be-all. And, and that's a bet that they're making. They're betting that they're going to be better. Um, and, you know, uh, what, what do we think of that? I mean, do we think that that's, a, that that's a, a, a real way to look at things, that, you know, 60 games was sort of just a glimpse. It wasn't anything to draw ma- major conclusions about. Bull, bullpens can certainly be that way. Uh, you know, they're, they're fickle by nature. Um, but I think, think it's hard to really – be as bad a bullpen you were and become a better one. Uh, one of the things I've dug into the last uh, last few days is, um, you know, we, we knew last year that I, I think the stat last year was that um, Joe Girardi never managed a bullpen in New York uh, that had a higher ERA than the starting rotation, which you, you, you took as a sign that, hey, he must be pretty good at handling bullpens. Uh, it, it, it obviously did not work that way in his first year in Philadelphia. Uh, I did did a look into Dave Dombrowski's history, and he turned around both he, when he got to Boston in, in fifteen. The, the Red Sox were in the bottom among the bottom teams after finishing last, and, and wrote both rotation and uh, bullpen ERA. 
and he turned that around immediately. He did it by spending $250 million of John Henry's money uh, by getting David Price to be the ace and Craig Kimball to be the closer. Um, and he made some other moves that, and, and turned it around. But if you go back and look at his Tigers history, which is a more obviously a much more extensive history, he took a long time to get the bullpen straightened out. He did. Uh, in 2006, I think they were the number four bullpen ERA in baseball. They go to the World Series, but then it fell off again, and he never, you know, some people in Detroit would tell you, well, his inability to really put together a great bullpen kept them from making that final step to to winning a World Series. And Ty, or Scott, you were you were yeah. you were there the day that David Ortiz hit the the grand slam huh. um, that that turned around that whole series in the ALCS. Um, so. You know, bullpens, bullpens are just they, – they are unpredictable. I mean, you know, I, I wrote about defense yesterday, and defense is also unpredictable. It can, it can be – I think last season – or in games last season, I think the Phillies, according to fan graphs, were at this sixth best defense of war in baseball, and last year it fell to 24th, and, the, and by Joe Girardi's admission, it was a bad – they weren't a good defensive team. Um, so – yeah, I mean, I, I I can understand their line of thinking. We'll see if it's correct. I remember but, I remember having a conversation with with Dombrowski um, before that two two thousand fifteen sixteen off season, um, his first off season with the Red Sox, because they did have to rebuild their bullpen or they had to make it better, and he did not have a good track record of doing that in Detroit, at least the last half of his time there, and. You know, I wouldn't say he was sensitive about it, but I would say that he 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 knew that the perception was there that he had a blind spot for bullpens and wasn't real real great at that. And you know, he talked about, well, I you know, we had guys like Joel Zumaya who got hurt, and uh, they had a kid, a hard throwing kid, uh, Bruce Rondon, who got hurt. And um, how did I know that Joe Nathan was going to get hurt when I when I signed him? He had a great track record as a closer, and you know, uh, they had some guys who had their ups and downs, like bullpen guys tend to do, and. Uh, he he did do better at, at at that with the Red Sox. You know, it wasn't just trading for Kimbrel. It was, you know, he got some guys on the margins who ended up being pretty good. He he signed a pitcher out of Mexico named Hector Velasquez, who was really good for them. And he found Ryan Brazier. I don't even know where he found him, but he found him and brought him in. And he pitched well for them in the year they won the World Series. So, you know, he's done it. Um, but you know, there's no doubt that, you know, those those the latter half of his time in Detroit. Um, you know, if the Tigers had a better bullpen, they probably uh, win a World Series uh, there, and they never did that. So um, that was definitely a, a mark on his record in Detroit. The Phillies last year, this awful bullpen we keep talking about, they had eight guys pitching at least ten games. Of those eight guys, just two are still on the Phillies. So I, I just uh, of think those eight, of those maybe – How uh, many had an ERA under five? Uh, one, two, three. Blake Parker had a two point eight one ERA in fourteen games last year. That's the kind of guy that you know you could see them bringing back again, the way they did last year from twenty nineteen. For he came sure. Back. You know, it just it, you know the concern I think is that did they just rearrange the chairs on the Titanic? You know, like Archie Archie Bradley is a legitimate guy who can pitch for you in the eighth or ninth inning. So they've added him to Hector Neris. So now you've got those two guys. You know where they slot in the bullpen. But like, you know, 
who is Jose Alvarado? Is he, you know, the guy who hasn't pitched much in the last few years because of injuries and, and other problems? Or is he the guy who was pretty good, really good for the Rays in 2018? Who is Sam Coonrod? You know, is he just, you know, uh, a guy who's taking the place of somebody who got moved out of here? Um, you know, or is he somebody who could, you know, who could take that 97 mile an hour fastball and, and, and fit late in the game? The one thing you can say for sure is that they have gotten, they've added pitchers who throw hard which they didn't have last year. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a whole lot of velocity. So they've gotten pitchers, even Hector Rondon today is, you know, 96 and, you know, 96 and change average fastball the last few years. So uh, they've gotten more guys who can throw hard. Now those guys get guys out. I mean, Coonrod for as hard as he throws, doesn't strike a ton of guys out. And, and that's weird to me. So, you know, that's the concern is that did they get enough quality or are they still trying to attack the problem with quantity uh, and, and, you know, will that show up at the end? One of the things that can like change the dynamic of an entire team is is at every position, and it's especially true in the bullpen, um, is just have one young guy come in and just Connor Brogdon showed signs of that last year. That September he had was really impressive. Now, if he came back and could be that guy, uh, it changes the whole dynamic of that bullpen. Uh, I one of the one of the most incredible things. I, I ever saw was in 2002, um, K-Rod with the mm-hmm. Angels. I mean, he wasn't on the roster. He, he barely pitched above single A in his career. And he came on for the last five games of that season and then into the postseason. And he was as big a reason as anybody on that roster for them winning their, their franchise's only World Series. When something like that happens, you know, it, it can become magical. We'll see if, if – Connor Brogdon can do that, but he was he was as impressive as anybody I thought that last month of the season. There's no doubt. For sure. and, and look, they they liked what they saw from JoJo Romero through the middle part of the year last year. I know the numbers didn't end up great because he had rough a few rough outings at the end, but they liked what they saw from him. Again, though, I mean they're really counting on those guys to be to be to be factors in their bullpen. And is it sort of like wishful thinking or you know, can they really can they really bank on those guys? And you know, the the answer uh, is gonna is gonna determine whether or not their, you know, their twenty twenty season was an aberration, you know, a sixty game kind of like fluky thing, or you know, whether there's a bigger problem here that that needed to be addressed a little bit more aggressively. You know, there's no question that in bringing back Real Muto and bringing back Gregorius, they are going to try to win again with a lineup that scores a lot of runs. Um, but it's kind of an exhausting way to win when you have to constantly outscore your pitching staff. And, uh, you know, I think on the days that Nola and Wheeler don't pitch, they'd like to have a little bit more, uh, a little bit more faith that their pitching is going to win some games for them. So, so I got a question here to, to, to change gears a little bit. Um, are the Phillies better with or without the designated hitter? Cause right. I mean, as of, as we sit here right now, which, uh, always subject to change. There's not going to be a designated hitter. Is that better or worse for them? I think it's worse for everybody. I, I would think, you know, you you always want to have an extra bat and then you're just thinking of ways to who would be that extra hitter or if it's, it's the, you know, you can get Reese Hoskins off his feet, JT Romuto off his feet. I just think it benefits everybody i don't but off the top of my head like jay bruce isn't on the roster phil goslin's not on the roster so i don't know who you're 
your go-to DH? I guess it, you know, whoever's not starting in the outfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's in that's center, in center field. Be a mixture yeah, of Kingery and Segura, and you know, it would it, it would be a DH du jour. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you would you would it would be you know depending on how he's feeling, two or three days a week, it would be Andrew McCutcheon, perhaps. You know, um, uh, look, I, I think the answer to that question, Bob, is not necessarily how the Phillies fit with a DH or without one. It's it's the rest of the league, you know. So if there's no DH in the National League. Is Marcelo Zuna not going to be back with the Braves? You know, I think if, if there is a DH in the National League, the Braves sign him tomorrow um, to come back, and that would certainly make them better. Uh, if there's no uh, DH, maybe he goes somewhere else, which would make the Braves' offense not as good, which would help the Phillies. So I haven't looked into it enough to know um, how it would look around the league. I think... I think there are probably teams with deeper benches than the Phillies that might have more DH options, but, um, you know, I, I just think, I think it's probably a complicated question because it affects the other teams in the league. Well, one, of, one of the things that by bringing back Rumuto and, and Gregorius though for the Phillies is that your bench, their bench got deeper by doing that now is which who's the real Scott King is he the guy that they paid all that money to that by now they thought would be, a at least a really good big league player, if not a breakout star. Uh, but you know, gives you so much flexibility with him now. Segura, um, you know, regardless of what you think about Hazley and and Quinn, I think they're both big league players. Uh, so that you know, who at the very least are fourth and fifth outfielders. Um, and you know, maybe you're playing them as starters, but. Uh, you, you just have more options. But I, I think not having a DH really, really hurts the Phillies because of the player you mentioned, Andrew McCutcheon. I think you really do want to have him be your DH two or three, at least two or three times a week and keep him out of left field because I think you become a better defensive team. Uh, that was the, in, in doing this story about the defense, that the, that was the position that graded out, according to fan graphs, the weakest of any team in baseball, but it was left field last season. See now, I guess if you're going to have a position weakness, it's left field at Citizens Bank Park is maybe uh, the best place to have it. One of the best places to have it, but still, it's it's not ideal, um, and it's not ideal to have uh, McCutcheon playing every day in left field either. I mean, so they have some. I, I think it, it, not having the DH definitely weakens the Phillies overall. We, you know, we listened to JT Romuto's press conference yesterday, and obviously, this team is not going to is not. You can't talk about them competing for a playoff spot. I don't think without him on the roster. But it's a five year deal. I'm just curious, where where do you guys see, you know, five years from now? How how does this contract look, and, and what needs to happen for this contract? No matter what the fifth year looks like, for the, for it to be a, a um you know a positive. They probably need to win a World Series. Um, yeah, <laughs> I know that too. I know that's that's a really difficult uh, sort of thing to say because uh, there's luck involved. How many times do they have to make the playoffs for it to be a successful contract? I mean, you know, four playoff appearances in five years. You know, three, th- uh, probably more than three. Um, you know, um, five for five is hard to ask for, so maybe four. I, I just think that. Um, I do think that if there's going to be a catcher you bet on, 
uh, to uh, to remain behind the plate for five years from ages 30 to 34, it's JT Real Muto. He's he's super athletic, as you wrote today, Matt. You know, he's kind of a freak of nature. I think Joe Girardi used that that phrase yesterday. Um, I did a story a few months ago on kind of the catcher's aging, aging curve of catchers. And, you know, it is amazing how uh, it sort of falls off at, at like 32. You get so few catchers into their mid-30s who still play that much uh, and stay behind the plate. And when they move from behind the plate to another position, most of the time they lose some of their value because the bat doesn't play up quite as much. Look at Joe Maurer when he moved to first base. All of a sudden he became a very average hitter. And he was like a stud. He was a batting champion catcher, and he just sort of became kind of another guy at first base. I think if there's a guy you bet on to be able to stay back there, it's Real Muto. He's more athletic than most. He's he's pretty durable. Um, you know, even though he has finished the last two seasons with with a with a, a minor injury, uh, you know, he's still relatively durable. Um, so I I think they did what they had to do. Uh, to kind of go back to how you started this, they're a better team with him and they couldn't contend without him. But, you know, it's probably a, a, a bet that you feel a little bit more comfortable with because it's him and not, and not some other catcher. You made the reference to, to Joe Maurer. I think part of the problem with Joe Maurer not playing as well as hitting wise though, when, when he moved position was he didn't hit as well either. Uh, you know, That's what I mean. But, but I'm saying, Oh, that he just dropped off. If he had hit the way he hit as a catcher at first base, that would have been fine. But, but he didn't. He didn't hit that nearly as well uh, after the age of thirty either. Even even after moving positions, Um, you know his bat, his bat betrayed him. And and the one area where his bat really betrayed him was he was never a pure power hitter, but he just you know his power numbers really really dropped off and it, it forced his OPS to drop off. And one of the things to me about Ramuto is as he has approached the age of 30, these last few years, it seems like his power stroke, uh, has, he's really found his power stroke uh, as he's become older as a player. Uh, obviously it's ideal to keep him as a catcher because as a catcher, he's a special player, but if he could keep be, remain like a guy who hits 25 to 30 home runs, that can play at a DH or at first base, wherever. Um, you know, I have one of people who's very close to him suggest, you know, this guy's such an athlete. He could he could come from behind the plate and play like a second base. I don't know if that's a stretch or not, but he obviously is, is a terrific athlete. Um, so his bat would definitely play there. But I'm, I'm not necessarily in agreement for his contract to look good the Phillies have to go to the playoffs five times a year. Um, and, and remind me to circle back to the playoffs because I want to talk about that more. But if JT plays well, can, can a guy play well and it not be a good contract? If JT plays at the same level he played his first two seasons in Philadelphia, it's still a good contract. Uh, it was still a good signing. It, you know, if the, the rest of the team doesn't live up to those expectations, it's not his fault. So, I mean, I kind of look at it that way. Uh, obviously, you, the, the goal is to to win and to win it all, but you know all all Ramuto can do is beat JT Ramuto and play as well as he can. And if he does, I think I think those things can exist separately. I think a guy can play well and live up to his contract, and for it to still have been a bad move. I mean, you know, if the Phillies let's say finish you know fourth for the next five years, you could have you could look back and go, 
and, and you know, and he plays well in them doing that. You can look back and go, geez, you know, he played well, but like maybe would they have been better off just not resigning him and retrenching and, 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 and using that money in a different way. And, you know, uh, would they have gotten better fa- faster without him? Well, so I think those things can be- if you pick your head up in five years and it's like, wow, they spent a lot of money on JT, Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper. Well, and they have nothing to show for it. I'll be a devil's advocate here, though, especially with JT. Um, if he's still playing well in, in three years and the Phillies are, are just a second division team, you're going to be able to trade JT Ramuto. Um, maybe you have to eat some of the contract, but maybe get some pretty good players for him. Um, you know, so I, I, I maybe just, you get like a Nolan Arenado return that the Rockies got. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, that wasn't good. Um, but, no. but I do think he, he's going to have some value. I, I really do. But let me go back to my playoff thing. All right. Cause as we sit here today, the playoffs are back to the 2019 format under the 2019 format. Maybe we can end with this. Um, under the 29 format, 2019 format, can, can the Phillies be a playoff team? How about will they? Will they be a playoff team? Will they be a playoff team? Yes. I'm going to say – Is that your, you, they will you're not, saying yes, Bob? Uh, no, I'm saying yes to that question. I'm going to yes. say they, they, can, they, they, can, they can be a playoff team because anybody can be anything. They will not be a playoff team, but they will compete into the final month of the season. Scott, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't believe in their pitching enough. Um, all those questions we were talking about in the rotation and the bullpen have to be answered affirmatively for them to make it. So uh, I'm going to say they're not going to make it. Uh, it's also just a, uh, it's just such a tough division. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, you're content. You know, if you were in the central, <laughs> that'd be a different story. You know, you could say, well, the pitching is a little bit questionable, but, you know, who's good in this division? In the East, it's not that way. I mean, you've got, you've got aside from the Braves, who are still the team to beat, you've got the Mets are really good. The Nationals, I think, are really good. And the Marlins made the playoffs last year, <laughs> you know, and have a lot of young guys who, who are, are obviously way better than we thought they were. So I'm going to say no to playoffs, but, you know, they're going to be competitive. I mean, I think they'll be in it. You know, uh, I think September will be a, a competitive month for them. They'll just they'll they'll come up short as they have the last few years. Does it, does it change? Or will they be a playoff team if there's a seventeen playoff format? If a, a what playoff format? If, if there's if there's seventeen the eight teams, team. what's that? Eight eight teams. Eight, like seven, last year, seven, seven is what's being was proposed by. MLB. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, if they expand it, they'll make the playoffs. Okay, and Scott. Uh, well, let me, let me count who's in, uh, I, I need a central winner. I need, I have the Braves. I have the Mets. I have the Dodgers. I have the Padres. Um, I think the Nats are probably a, a playoff team. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, I think that certainly makes the road easier. Now you've got to, now you've got to beat out a, a lot of bad teams in the central, uh, to try to get in. But, you know, again, it's going to be cutting it close because I think the national league's really good. Yeah, I think it's it's good too. I think they make it in the seven team format and and not in the the traditional five team format. Um, I think the NL East is really good, but I think every team is a little bit flawed too. Uh, you know, the Braves. People forget the Braves had the tw- number twenty seven ERA in baseball last year 
among starters. They had a good bullpen, but among starters, the number twenty-seven and now and their their offense has lost. And they added Charlie Morton. They added Charlie, so that'll they, help. They did add Charlie Morton. That, that, that'll and help. get Soroka although, back. Although Charlie Morton is one of those guys who, is, how many innings is he going to give you? That's fair. I mean, you know, is, more is than he at, probably is he at more the end than of the road. Like, and I, I, and and now if it, if there is no DH, how much is the Braves' offense impacted by that? I think it's still good, but you know, other than Freddie Freeman, Mar- Marcelo Suna, you know, might have been their best hitter, and that's in, including Ronald Acuna last year. But there's their offense is still definitely elite. Um, you know, the the Mets, I I think are definitely happy to say they're not improved with Lindor and Carrasco um, and McCann and yeah and McCann, McCann and Trevor May who's a good reliever Phillies could have used him. yeah uh, no I think they're they're definitely an improved team um, the Nats I'm not sold on because I, I think they have two great players in Turner and and um, Juan Soto and, uh, Juan, Juan Soto but I'm not sure to have any great players after them I know they are out of Kyle Swarber and Josh Bell um, and that makes their lineup better, but I, I still not. I don't think it's an intimidating lineup beyond the. I think it's really a top heavy, top heavy lineup. Um, and I'm definitely not sold on the Marlins 60 game season. Um, well, well, I need to see a lot more than that. But I, you know, yeah, I think the Phillies are are, are in this race till till the end. I think they, if they again, we're going to start it the way we finished or finish it the way we started. It, it's all about the bullpen in my mind. If it's better, they will contend. Yeah, I just it's all about the pitching in general. Um, you got to show me something in the back of the rotation there. I need, you know, I need to see, I need to see Matt Moore pitch well. I think, that, you know, I think that uh, we've, we, we say it every year. We should just put it on a loop. Uh, you know, Vince Velasquez has to take a step forward and, you know, you, you need, you need some, you need some more durability and, uh, you know, some, some more from Spencer Howard um, to really make you believe. And uh, otherwise that's, they have three fifths of a rotation if, if they don't have a lot from those three guys. And um, in a year where pitchers are all going to be, you know, pushing the envelope to get back to their normal workload, it's a lot to ask. So, I just think pitching in general, and and that'll tell the tale because they're going to score runs, and uh, that's the bet they're making is that they're going to score runs, and that the bullpen last year was you know was so bad that it can't possibly be any worse uh, this year. So I think those two things are are kind of what they're hanging their hat on. Matt, wrap us up. Scott, wrap us up. You started us. You closed Our, us up. Well, so that sets the table. Uh, spring training starts in, or it's supposed to start in two weeks in Clearwater, allegedly. and uh, we'll get a allegedly, and we'll get a look at uh, the Phillies on the field for finally, allegedly. and uh, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, that still leaves two weeks, and there are a lot of free agents out there still to be signed. I have a feeling that there's going to be another reliever here before all is said and done, and who knows, maybe uh, another start uh, uh, depth piece for the starting rotation. So. Keep it tuned to Inquire.com, the pages of the Philadelphia Inquirer, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. For Matt Breen and Bob Brookover, I'm Scott Lauber. I'll tell you what wasn't alleged was my great cup of coffee during this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll see you guys in a little bit. See you, boys. All right.